Okay, that was that was good discussion. I'd like to turn our discussion now. Um, if you'll open up your scriptures, we're going to be in the apostolic scriptures for this hour. I hope to have your ardent attention. If you need a copy of the apostolic scriptures, you'll find some on the screen, uh, on the uh, shelf there, and I will have on the screen. Um, some here in just a minute. You can change that from HDMI to VGA before you do that. Is it not cycling through? Yes, it is not. The, um... Source switch is there on top. Alright, thank you son. Acts chapter 18 and verse 24. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. Let's just stop there. What can you tell me about the Apollomeister? He's a Greek. What does that mean? He's a Hellenist Jew. It says he's a Jew. And his name is... A Greek name. So this guy is a native of Alexandria. Where is Alexandria? Egypt. It's in Egypt. At the time that the Master was born, there were three major concentrations of Jews on the planet. Well, where were they? Babylon, the land, and Alexandria, Egypt. What happened? Not but 200 and some odd years before the Master was born, about the length of time our country has been independent. Yes. The folks that lived where Apollos is from asked to have the Tanakh translated into Greek. Why? Hebrew wasn't their native tongue. If they could read it, they couldn't read it well. They wanted the scriptures in their native tongue. All right, so now, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. Where is Ephesus? The Turkey area-ish. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we're going to learn a little bit about Apollos. And you'll see the, the reason for my drawing your atten- attention to him in a moment. What do we know about Apollos so far? He's a Jew chosen by God. Two. He's from Alexandria, Egypt. Three. He's Greek-ish? He's Hellenist, yes. All right? Describe him to me. What's he look like? Yeah, he probably doesn't look like an Orthodox Jew. He probably doesn't look and pray the way an Orthodox Jew in the land would. He's probably looking like an Egyptian. I like Joseph. That's what I was thinking. 
for Moses. Very clever. Apollos was an eloquent man. What does that mean? I think well-spoken is not as good as articulate. He could speak well. Yeah. Yeah. And secondly, he was competent in the scriptures. Now, you know, guys, I could stop there and we could go on for 40 minutes. This is a guy. My wish for every man here is that in the end, regardless of where you're from, whether you were chosen at birth by God or not, whether you're Egyptian or not, or Italian, as the case may be, if you are an eloquent man, competent in the Scriptures, is there much more they could say about you? Man, competent in the Scriptures. Ooh. Dunatas. Dynamite. He was a big bang. He was a big bang with the scriptures. Alright? He's dynamic. He's competent. He has power. That's really that root. He has power with the scriptures. Speaking of power... Let's see, here we go. Thank you. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. Have you been instructed in the way of the Lord? Can you tell me what in the world that means? Yeshiva. Yeshiva. I doubt it. Guy's Greek. Living in, living in Egypt. He was, uh, when it's speaking of the Lord there, it's most likely speaking of Yeshua. Absolutely. Not, it's, it's assumed that as, as a Hellenist, he was already a practicing Jew. Uh, but, but in the way of the Lord is probably, uh, Yeshua prayed this way. Uh, Yeshua uh, ate this way. These are the instructions. Yes. This is the way that we do things. This is the way he did things. Amen. Lord, teach us to pray. They didn't know how to pray. And when he broke bread and blessed God, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Things like that. As opposed to <coughs> being able to place isms or uh, other uh, high-sounding uh, doctrinal words to Yeshua's way. The way means the way that he did it. The way he did it. When you see the fourth word in verse 25 of chapter 18 of the book of Acts, what comes to mind? Torah. Torah. I've got a better word. Discipleship? Yes. Thank you. That's discipleship. He was instructed in the way of the Lord. Somebody taught him. Instructed demands an instructor. Right? Somebody taught him the way. Could be. Could be. It could be that he spent a long time in Jerusalem. We don't know. It could be, if we're assuming, the fact that it names him as being a Jew. Maybe we could think the best of him. 
Maybe we could think, if he is serious about being a Jew, if he's serious about his faith, we'll call him Orthodox. If he is, where was he? Three times a year. Right? Was either in Jerusalem or wanted to be there. Right? He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit. He spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus or Yeshua. We'll stop there for now. I think of Paul writing to Timothy that he would accurately handle the word of truth. It seems that this is exactly what Apollos was doing. He accurately, he taught accurately the things concerning Yeshua. What things do you suppose that he taught accurately? Wow. His teachings, what he taught, what he Messiah. I think that's probably big. The fact that he was God, that he was the Messiah. What is it that needs, he was resurrected? What is it that needs to be accurate? It says he, he taught accurately. Yeah, I mean, how can you know it's accurate? Unless it matches up with the word, with something that you can be accurate to. There needs to be a measurable thing here. Uh, to me, it implies that he is consistent with the word of God. I doubt that. Likely is prophetic teachings that guys have said, "Hey, Yeshua fulfilled this, and he fulfilled this, and he fulfilled this, and he did this." Um, Although we're going to get to a second that apparently Apollos' knowledge was less than complete. I I think if we're talking about teaching accurately, what he taught lined up with the Tanakh. Absolutely. There it is. That's the measuring rod. That's why Shammai walked around with the measuring rod, the measuring stick, right? I, I hear you, but the only, the only thing that puzzles me, though, is the next statement, because it's ju- it's, it juxtaposes and juxtaposes yes. the two. It says, he taught accurately the things concerning Yeshua, but, even though he only yes. used the baptism of the yes. John, which to me means that, that it's not just about Relating it to the Tanakh, there's some there's some other facet there. I, I agree. Because if, because if you only knew the baptism of John, you would still know the Tanakh. Absolutely. So there's something different between just knowing the baptism of John and the things concerning Yeshua. Well, I want to point out. I, think that's a, I don't think that's a juxtapose. I think those are actually the same thing. He spoke. He taught accurately the things concerning Yeshua, and he only knew about the baptism. Of John. Yeah, though he only knew. Well, the baptism. Sounds like a juxtaposition. Well, I don't think, though, but I don't think they're opposites. I think, in other words, I think he's teaching everything accurately. He just doesn't know everything. What he knows, he teaches accurately. Is what I think that's the point. Yeah. What he knows, he's teaching accurately. Now, I want to point out, he's fervent in spirit, right? And he spoke and taught accurately, and he was eloquent. 
and he's a Jew, competent in the scriptures. And the scriptures of that day, it's only the Tanakh. We've got a lot we know in two, three verses about this guy, and then, though he knew only the baptism of John. So I think that the fact that he was fervent in spirit, but knew only the baptism of John, is what we're about to hear about. This is a great guy. You can't say anything bad about this guy, though, the one knock, he only knew about the baptism of John. Okay. John definitely seems to be teaching something about Messiah. He definitely seems to be teaching repentance. Yeshua's initial message as well. Um, so it seems to me like Apollos is maybe getting like the, you know, Yeshua's teachings. He's probably lacking, most of the, you know, death, resurrection. Holocaust. He's got the Holocaust. One would think. Because Yeshua and John are probably very similar there. I mean, John's disciples end up crossing over to Yeshua with no problems. Um, and then you've also got the issue of, I mean, the message is essentially the same repent for the kingdom of heaven is him. Yes? Without question. Absolutely. In fact, everybody, everybody that we read about in the scripture that got saved, everybody. Got saved from the Tanakh. Although it's possible that he may not have realized that the Tanakh was saying. That seems to be the problem with the guys on the road to Ephesus. Let's, or, uh, let's not speculate at this point. Let's just keep going with the text. But mark what I said. Everybody you've read about in the Apostolic Scriptures, everybody you've read about in the entire Bible, only got saved with the Tanakh. Or less. Or less. <laughs> Good. Now, I want us to stop. And look at this man. This is a great guy. Because he's not just going about being a butcher, being a a tailor, and just doing his job. He is actually, has been instructed, and now he is teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus or Yeshua. So we commented that if he was instructed in the way of the Lord, it spoke of discipleship. And yet what is he doing? He's teaching. And he's teaching accurately. This is the heart of discipleship. So before we go anywhere, if you want to pull out a piece of paper or you want to jot down a little note, who are you teaching? If you've got nobody on the list, shame on you. That's what we should be doing. We should be doing exactly what this guy is doing. And you may not be the most eloquent man right now, but we can help. If you're not competent in the Scriptures, what is it you spend your time doing? He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Well, you know, that kind of flies in the face of the fact that he's teaching simply halakhic things. Can't be. If he were speaking boldly in the synagogue, he's obviously teaching stuff 
that requires boldness. Just stick your finger on something every now and then. Okay? D- does everybody agree? Well, I mean, but it could be it could be halakhic. I mean, it's pretty bold to I, say, by the way, you can sit down and you don't need to worry about uh, when you leave the room if a Gentile's going to spike your wine. That's that's a pretty bold thing to say. In that I'm I'm just finding it hard to believe that that's what we're talking about. In light of the fact that he's just come off this tale, though he knew only the baptism of John. I'm just thinking, Halakha is not what he's teaching. He seems to be teaching accurately the things concerning Yeshua. And I think he's talking about the fact that this guy's the Messiah. Although, you could also argue, too, that the synagogue, having, unfortunately, like any group can have, some people who are not following things as well as they should be, speaking boldly, may be very much like John was. Look, or like Yeshua did with, with, some, with the hypocrites among the Pharisees. Okay, you have you say great things. You look really good if I see you on the street, but you're not loving your neighbor right. You're not giving to the poor right. You're not doing this, this, this right. I know you left the shul and you went right down the marketplace. I, I, I can't disagree with you, but I think contextually that's not what I'm seeing. I'm just, I'm just thinking when we specifically mention teaching accurately the things concerning Yeshua. I just think this, this, this text is screaming. This guy's talking about Yeshua being the Messiah, and he's doing it boldly in the synagogue. Well, and boldly makes sense because he's fervent in spirit, yeah. which to me speaks of he's, he's got a zeal. Amen. He's Amen. He is, yeah, he's, he's got the power. Or he's got gravitas. Okay. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside. Talk to me. Or heard something lacking in a situation. Okay. But what'd they do? Not inaccurate, just not they took aside. Just, Okay. What'd they do? They took him aside privately. So you're implying from what you just read that they did not stand up in the synagogue and say, You're a liar! Or something to that effect. Okay. <laughs> just check it. So should this not be something that we would pattern? Are they not patterning what we've already heard? Why would we embarrass a man, especially if he's doing a good job? I was just going to say, there's a connection in verse 25. It says, um, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. So that's what he's instructed him. And then in verse 26, it says they explained to him um, the way of God more accurately. The way he was instructed in the way, and then he was explained the way That's where I was going next. Thank you. What is this in Hebrew? Haderic. Who is the way? So we're going to explain the way of God, the way God does things, the way God has done things, the way God accomplishes things, the way God has accomplished things more accurately. It's interesting. He taught accurately and... They taught him more accurately. I don't think that's by accident. I think that Luke is playing the words. I think he's, he's working it. He's milking it. He's like, this guy had it nailed. And he is like to the net's knees. He's got it down. And they gave him even more. 
So, I think this guy is fabulous. He, he appears later on, and if, if you look at all the places that he appears in the apostolic writings, it turns out that he and Paul got along famously. Paul liked this guy. He really did. Spent some time with him, sent him places, talked about him. It was a great deal. What do I know about this guy? Summarize for me Apollos. He's a Tariq. He's a teacher. I like that. That's two. One more T. He's teachable. I was going to say trainable. But yeah, wow. he's teachable. Wow. That's pretty close, man. Close. He's a tzaddik who teaches and is teachable. That's, that's our job. Do, do any of us have it sewn up? Do any of us know it all together? I mean, you and I have been laughing about that, right? What do you believe today? You know, that's what I believe now, you know, that kind of thing, as we learn and we grow in the knowledge and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? This guy, to me, is spectacular. He's right over the top. You could be just like him. Eloquent, competent in the scriptures, instructed in the way of the Lord, fervent in spirit, speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Yeshua, speaking boldly in the synagogue. Is, is, I mean, is there anything there that you don't want to do? Isn't that cool? Hey, let me ask you something. It seems his, his understanding of God Perhaps baptism was a little out of whack at some point. Yes? Well, I think so, because that starts to come out in the next uh, chapter 19. Because Paul shows up at Ephesus. And I think he starts taking, Apollos starts taking him around. Well, Apollos is gone. Well, no, Apollos Apollos is in Corinth at this point. Okay. Paul came to Ephesus at the end of verse 1 there. There's about some disciples and said, Did you see the Holy Spirit? Presumably, when Apollo... From Apollos' guys. Yeah, that's what I meant. Right. right. And they said, no, we haven't even heard about it. Right, because he didn't know. So, so, I hate to put it this way, but it seems that Apollos' theology was a little off, yes? Incomplete. Incomplete. And he got corrected. Not wrong. Incomplete. Was, not there was, that, uh... was there anything mentioned... Anywhere in here that this affected his relationship with God. So if your theology, I mean, are you saying that if my theology is a little off in a point or two, I simply need someone to come alongside and teach me the way of God more accurately? But there's no mention of in Messiah, out of Messiah, place in the world to come, no place in the world to come, streets paved with gold, burn in hell with fiery furnace, you know, whatever it may be. I mean, I, I would, I can say, or I believe with 
much confidence that all of our theologies are off Absolutely. here and there. So having off theology in and of itself is not necessarily an issue. Not that we should, you know, use that as an excuse. That, 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 but, but but we should we should because to me the thing that you know the thing that I always uh, tremble at is you know God, what am I saying and doing that is wrong? And I and I don't know it. Amen. And when I stand up and, and, and worse and for for us, teachers, others, oh man, the thing that we need to be trembling our boots about is, you know, please show me where I'm off. Amen. And give me the opportunity to correct because you know, well, while it's easy for us to point to this group's theology and that group's theology and all of that, and we tend to think that we got it all figured out. Guys. The answer is we don't. Amen. All right, I want to ask you this then. You just learned all about this guy, right? Tell me. When this godly couple, who do you think the talker in the family was, by the way? Do you think in their culture that Luke by accident put the girl's name first? I don't think she's wearing the pants in the family, but I think she's definitely the talker, no question. But I digress. That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. But I ask you now, when this godly couple approached this man, you just read about him. It's up on the screen, so you can continue to reflect upon his character. How do you suppose they explained to him the way of God more accurately? What do you suppose they used? How do you suppose that went about? Okay. You know, Paul, great job on this and that. Here's something that I think we should probably consider more. Let's look at this together. What did they look at, Jonathan? I am confident that if you examine this passage, you will find that he was competent in the Scriptures and he was able to teach accurately. He was fervent in the Spirit. There is no way this couple came up to him and said, I think you messed up. Let me share with you. This is how it goes. And they walked away and went to the market. There's no way. This guy did what the Bereans did. And better... I'll bet you that couple opened up the scriptures and showed him. And that's what we ought to do. That's why we started with this list of scriptures in the last hour. What we think, who cares what we think? What does God say? I think at this, this point, two things. First off, as far as the attitude goes, I think Luke's description of them probably encapsulated their attitude. Because first, what does Luke do? He's, he, he lists the basic facts. Then he praises him, talks about how great he is, all the yeah. things he's doing, though he only did the baptism of John. In other words, he's really close. In this one area, he's had a problem. So, or not problem, just incomplete. And then as far as how, what they said, I, mean, I think Yeshua's example is very clear. 
with the case of both the, the man on the road of Emmaus and with his own disciples that says that he turned it into the scriptures and taught them when it was true. Obviously, if, if he was lacking in some information about Yeshua's history, they probably had to pull that out too and say, by the way, you may not have heard this part of the story, but he died and rose from the dead again. And here's, by the way, go back to Isaiah, this is why that's important. I, I, would, uh, I would agree with you, but I would look at he taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. It never says he made a mistake on that point. What did they correct him on? Well, he knew only the baptism of John, so the baptism of the Holy Spirit he hadn't heard about. That's interesting. What does that imply? Where wasn't he? He probably wasn't at Shavuot. That Shavuot. He probably wasn't there. Second, they taught him the way of God more accurately. It doesn't say they taught him about Yeshua. He's a Hellenist. Hmm. He may not be a pious Jew, as would be seen in Jerusalem. He lives outside the land. I mean, right? So it could be some things there. Yes, sir. They Amen. They didn't jack him up. That's right. Maybe you didn't hear about it. I'm reminded when we hear pull him aside, I'm reminded of what the master did. He says all this stuff to these guys, and when they got inside in private, he said to his disciples, or his disciples said to him, "Okay, okay, <laughs> tell us. Yo, what, the, what the heck are you talking about?" Don't, don't you get it yet? And he told them. Okay. Yeah? Well, just, this, just a general comment about, un, you know, about understanding the things of, of God, and particularly understanding Scripture. Uh, I mean, how do we, how do we know Scriptures true and accurate. I mean, how do we know prophecies in Scripture are true and accurate? We only know that in hindsight. Bringing it back. Right? So, you know, so we have, you know, all we have this progressive revelation, you know, in the Scriptures over time, and God reveals more and more of Himself through, you know, the Torah, the prophets, the writings, and so forth. But nobody knew, including the including the most learned men of the day. Nobody. They all had pieces of the puzzle, but nobody could fit it all together to see exactly how Yeshua was going to come and fulfill, you know, many of these prophecies. It's only in hindsight that we now see it clearly. Absolutely. It's just like. Jonathan and I have been having a lot of late night discussions on this issue. It's just like now, uh, how come you know, Mystery Babylon? Explain to me Mystery Babylon. You know, I, there's a gazillion different opinions on who and what Mystery and, Babylon is. And this woman. But we should know we have the, we've got the revelation. It's all right there. And there won't be any more either. Right. So it's just like the way, the way we are looking for 
looking at the second coming. We have pieces of the puzzle and we're trying to figure out how it all works, but we're not ever going to have a, a true crystal clear picture of it until after the fact. Right? It's no different than the people uh, who live on the other side of the cross right. approaching that event. And even at this point, people that were there you know, at or shortly after the event, it's still just starting to now crystallize. And yeah. some people have... Yeah, have kind of put all the pieces together, and some people haven't, haven't yet. yet. Right. Good. And, sorry, I would add because he's unfamiliar with the baptism of the ruach here. Do you think that could be a allusion to he was unfamiliar with kind of what to do with Gentiles per se? If we know that Shavuot on the mountain was 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 it was a mixed multitude of people, and it was in seventy languages, and then here we have Shavuot again prophesying to people in their own tongues, and then. That's what they're doing here. Perhaps that's what his issue was. Was he, you know, he's he's uh, he, he didn't know how to incorporate and how to kind of reach out to other people than other than just just the Jews. Do you think maybe that was part of the issue as well? Could be. Were, it could be. I I think if you juxtapose this with this this first paragraph with the second, clearly yeah. that that could be the issue, right? The first paragraph is, is teaching Jews in the synagogue. In the synagogue. Second paragraph. Yeah. These these guys are out and about. You bet. So, it could be. Uh, it seems to me, as far as these guys go... These guys being the second paragraph? The second paragraph, chapter 19, yeah. is um, telling the people to believe in the one who is to come after him, talking about John, that is Yeshua. And then it says, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Yeshua. So, in that context, it seems to me that, again, what's, what's lacking is filling in the blanks of who Yeshua is, what he did, etc. It seems like there's... Because, again, the baptism of John is used in both passages. They got repentance. They got, maybe even, things concerning Yeshua in the sense that they knew what the Messiah was going to look like. They knew generally what he was going to do. And then Paul drops in and says, oh, by the way, you know all this stuff. There's this guy, and he matches all these things up. And, oh, in this passage, you may not have thought of before, it fits in this way. Yeah, I... I'm hearing what you're saying, but if he taught accurately the things concerning Yeshua, then these guys should have known that. So, I I think, I'm I'm leaning, I guess, the way you are, Jonathan, that it's not so much that Yeshua is the Messiah, as it is, he's the Messiah, Messiah, even for the Gentiles. That there is good news, even for the Gentiles. Especially if he's a Jew teaching us. Speculating. So, if we're not, so we're speaking tongues. I'm not getting into that. <laughs> but the thought just right out of it. 
in the holy tongue, right? And that's and, when I read Paul saying, "I I speak in tongues more than anyone." I think he's speaking about actually he prays in Hebrew all the time. That's what I think he's saying. Uh, okay, because I I would I would have thought it the, the opposite that there's Hebrew, which is the holy tongue, right? The mother tongue. What brings that to mind is that everything else else is another tongue. Exactly. So, we're speaking in tongues. We are. We're not speaking (laughs) Hebrew, right? And the reason I bring that up is, you know, when you read read the apostolic scripture without the context of the word tongue in Hebrew, you know, you could get, you could get a little confused. And I'm not, I'm not diminishing glossolalia, but my point is that when you put that in the context of the way they use tongue in Hebrew, and then against the tradition of Shavuot, you go, wow, man, there's maybe a little bit more to this than just utterance that only a few people can understand. Maybe there's something more about the position of Hebrew versus all other tongues. And we digress. That's okay, it was good. Please. It does connect with what he was talking about. It says the issue of baptism of John is that's a Jewish baptism. I'm sorry, they're all Jewish, but that's a that's a baptism that, hey, look, Jews are the only people, this is the only way there is. You know? Everybody else is is, you know, is has no part in the world to come. Only Jews have a part in the world to come. By the way, Jews need to repent as well. You know. But now, here's a little bit more information. What the Gentiles have a part in the world to come? That's big news. And that would be a distinct difference between that baptism of John and have you even we, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I thought it was impossible. Right. I had the conversation with a good, good friend of mine as well. I, so he can't possibly mean since the Holy Spirit is the earnest of our salvation that you have the Holy Spirit and that's how you know you're saved. One of the ways. Yeah, right. So, how is it that these guys did not receive the Spirit? Well, it obviously can't mean the indwelling Spirit. It means the Spirit in a, manifest, in a manifested way. You're a, it's almost like he's saying, to your point, you guys are Gentiles. Did you get the Spirit when you got saved? We, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? And what happens? He laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them. It, it's not that it indwelled them, because it had to already have indwelled them when they believed. What is it they believed? Obvious, right? Well, it's like, if you go back to, I think it's the beginning of Acts, and, and John, in contrast, you have Yeshua comes to the disciples, Peter, Andrew, and John, before he ascends, breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Then he tells them, stay here, God's going to send power on you. You will receive power from on high. And that is the Holy Spirit. Not many days hence. Is it this, like, double portion of the same deal? I think the more proper thing is to understand that throughout the Spirit, Don't drink over that. The concept of the Spirit has many different understandings. It can be a spirit of wisdom that you see given to the, you know, the young man, Betzalel, who's creating the, the ark and all of the tabernacle. It can be you know, a spirit of prophecy. It's given to Saul for one moment, you know, and then later taken away. It can be whatever different types of things. In other words, the spirit can be the sense of God's indwelling presence that enables you to 
to do right, the earnest of your salvation, etc. Or it can be an empowering exactly. by God to exactly. specific action. In this case, like Samson. the empowering issue. Yeah. Yes. I think it's more to what Joseph said. I don't think it's just empowering. I think it's validation. These are Gentiles. This is exactly what happened in Cornelius is him. Where, where Peter, when he saw the Holy Spirit come on Gentiles who had not gone through ritual conversion, it's like whoa! Possible has just happened. God has placed a seal of approval on Gentiles who are not Jews. How do you know? Because they hadn't gone through conversion, and they got the Spirit. That's right. So here we see the same thing. Here's guys who they're believing all along, but you know, okay, somebody's probably whispering in the ear. Eventually, you realize that you're going to have to go through. I, I, you can check, check it, guys, and I think you'll find that every reference to speaking in tongues that you have in the apostolic scriptures comes upon Gentiles. And there's always Jews around. Or in the case of Jews, you don't speak like Hebrew, like in Acts 2. Speaking in Other than Acts 2, which I, I think you know, somebody mentioned before, is just a parallel to the mountain to say, hey, we got, we got the second deal here, right? It's the same thing. But I think if you look, you'll find whenever this happens, it's Gentiles and there's Jews that are watching, going, whoa. A, a validation. <laughs> there it is. They don't need to go through the birth? Yes. Um, I don't know. I'm not really going anywhere with this. I just want to... Comment. We love comments. Go ahead. Especially if it's somewhat mystical. That's cool, too. Yeah. <laughs> John speaking, right? Yeah, yeah. Water. We call him John the Jew. Yeah, yeah. He really wasn't a Baptist, just so you know. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So I don't know. I was just saying that because you see, they obviously know about John's baptism, but they haven't been baptized with baptism of Jesus. However. Later on in the same verb, chapter, verse 15, Yeshua uh, is baptized. Or actually, it's later on, yeah, John 4, where he's doing exactly the same thing John did. So, same message repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, baptize the people. It's like, this is the same baptism. Yeah. Or is it? Yeah. So, so, we need to check is he doing the same deal? Example of Sinai, one or the other, could be either one. What's interesting about the verse I just read in Matthew three eleven two is that um, it says that Yeshua's baptism will be with the Holy Spirit and fire, and that's what happens in Acts two. That's right. That, that's what I'm talking about. It's it's on the mountain. I mean, it's, we got a perfect parallel to the giving of the written Torah and the giving of the living Torah. It's great. It's a good good parallel. All right. It was fun. It was fun. Did you learn anything? Okay. I think Apollos is a good example for me. I don't know about you. But I like the guy. You know? He's not from town. He's not like everybody else. But 
He's obviously been studying. He's been instructed and he's learned. And now that he's learned, he's teaching other people. And he's bold about it. I think these are character traits that we should grab onto. And not only was he a tzaddik, not only was he teaching, but he was teachable. He was trainable by others who pulled him aside and squared him away in some areas. I, I, I like this. I, this is a guy that I can grab onto. Because aside from the fact that he's Jewish, I can relate to him. The Messiah, the Mashiach, yeah. I mean, he knew, right? So, that's cool. And, and we should be able to do the same thing. And, you know, he's a Jew, so for him to refute the Jews in public, he can do that. That's probably not our calling. But you should be able to refute the pagan. That should be a slam dunk. Or the near pagan, right. Yeah, or the Jews in private, right? He gets the Jews in public. Look, we get the Jews in private. I like that. I like that. All right. Oh, my. Well, that was fun, gentlemen. May it be your will, Adonai, our God, that a mishap not come about through us. And may we not stumble in a matter of Torah and our colleagues cause our colleagues to rejoice over us. And may we not say regarding something which is Tameh that it is Tahor, and now regarding something which is Tahor that it is Tameh. And may our colleagues not stumble in a matter of Torah, and we rejoice over them. For Adonai grants wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding of God. Unveil our eyes that we may perceive wonders from your Torah. Amen. Thank you, men.